Today, we want to recognize Father's Day. And I'm going to stick with my notes as much as possible so that I can get as much in as I can. So last month, we honored mothers. And so this month, we're honoring fathers. And so, um, but I really want the message to resonate with not just men, but men and women. And so what is extremely important today is that every one of us, every one of you, you need a father figure or a mentor or a mother figure in your life to help guide you and direct you as you walk through this Christian life with Christ. And so believe me, Kenny won't tell you everything, but there were some times where I had to put the thumb on him, you know, and um, unexpected visits and those type of things. And so he, he, it was a really, it was a blessing to, to see what God was doing, you know, and it, it took me just a little while to, re I think I recognized it the moment we walked out of that Monday night Bible study and he was under conviction. And so when I saw that, but the first mistake I made was I said, you want to go back in and talk to them about it? And he says, no. Then I thought, okay, God doesn't want me to take him back in there to have somebody else talk to him. God wants me to do it. So I said, okay, well, let's go to, we'll go to our house and uh, sit down at the dinner table and let him to the Lord. So, so today, you can just turn to Jeremiah 35 while you're at it. Um, today, well, we're going to look at the life of a man named Jonadab, Jonadab, um, whom God recognized the contributions he made and the legacy that he left some 250 years before Jeremiah 35. But people honored the legacy of Jonadab, even though he was not a prophet. So my message today is, is about worthy to stand before God, worthy to stand before God. The question is, are you worthy to stand before God? What legacy are you building that years from now people will see the way that you walk with God, the way that you discipled, you evangelized, you went on mission trips, or you supported mission trips? And so, or when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, will you hold your head down because you did not leave a legacy because you were too busy taking care of worldly things that were important to you? As a young man, my father, Reverend Lawrence Hill, was a tough father. Um, I was the next to the youngest of 11 kids, so I was in church a lot. So I grew up at a time where there was not much. We had a big garden and all that, fruit trees and all that. But it was a time where we didn't have, you know, a, um, a restroom in the house. We had an outhouse. So you can imagine what that was like in the wintertime. No fun at all. None. But what I learned from my father was a work ethic. He, he was a hard worker. He worked hard and he worked us hard. And, but... I didn't learn the Bible from my dad. He was a preacher. Um, and I was saved and got baptized around age seven, something like that. So growing up, I loved helping the neighbors. It was just something about helping the older people that resonated with me.
But my mom got sick, and so did my dad. And so as a teenager, my life changed. And my life changed because I was now put in somewhat of a fatherly role and, uh, as a teenager. So I never experienced the prom and all those fun activities that a lot of you went to and had fun and dressed up and got in somebody's car or somebody drove you and, you know, all those things. I never experienced that. So graduating from high school, I had planned on going to a local college, but my mom had different ideas. And so she would send me off to San Diego uh, to live with some, some folks that we knew before when I was a little kid. And so I ended up joining Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego. And Dr. S.M. Lockridge, since you may have heard some of his tapes on That's My King and some of his videos that he's put out over the years. So he became my father in the Lord, so to speak, because what he did was he reaffirmed my salvation and, and decided, he said, hey, we need to baptize you again so that you can really experience this the way it, should, it, it is. And so, um, because the records for my church have been burned up in a fire. So they couldn't even tell if I was saved and baptized at seven. That's just what I recalled. So he reaffirmed that. And so Kenny just laid out a, an awesome testimony about how I became Pops in his life. And so, so this message is, is about worthy to stand before God. So here's point number one on your handout. Because when you look at Kenny's life and you look at not having a father in his life, not having someone that he can go to to communicate, ask questions, uh, a mentor, he, he didn't have that. So, so God used me as an example for him. Of course, he cheated a little bit because I, I, I owned a barbecue restaurant at the time. So he spent a lot of time getting free sandwiches. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So, and he would always say, oh, Pops, this, this is the best brisket I've ever had in my life. Okay. So yeah, so he, he got a lot of free sandwiches. But when you look back at his history and you saw coming out of Atlanta and the, the things that he went through as a young man and, and mom sending him to the Kansas City area to, to get him away from that, my point, number one, is sometimes God will take our mess and build a message out of it. He will take our, our mess and build a message out of it. You see, God has blessed you with a dynamic leader, and he is worthy to stand before God. I'm talking about Kenny Morgan. He can, see, he can be seen as a man, a father of clear convictions, and sometimes his decision makers may not be popular. I see your pastor Kenny just like I see Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known, is known as the weeping prophet. And I believe that Pastor Morgan cries for you to grow and become strong leaders, both men and women. You see, Jeremiah wasn't, he wasn't seen as a popular man because he stood on the principles of God. And he delivered God's command to Judah. Judah's disobedience caused them to spend 70 years in exile. You see, when a man of God stands and brings the word with fire and conviction, it is to make you a better person, a better believer, a better discipler, a better husband, a better wife, a stronger single person. Because Jeremiah brought the word from God, he was put in prison. I'm just saying to you, don't shackle your pastor. Don't shackle him. 
allow him to bring God's word freely. That's why if you will see, and I'll read it to you in Jeremiah 33, that Jeremiah had to go to God in prayer. I believe your pastor prays for you on a daily basis because he wants what's best for you. You see, because he declared what thus says the Lord, Jeremiah was thrown in prison. While under pressure and persecution, Jeremiah knew the power of prayer. In Jeremiah 33, 1 and 3, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the courts of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, it established to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Here's my point number two. A real father communicates with God in prayer. A real father communicates with God in prayer. God answers the father when he calls. And let us see, God will show you the proper way. But you have to communicate with him. So today we're going to talk about obedience and how the descendants of Jonadab, an ordinary man, not a prophet or a king, whom they called Father. This is Father's Day, so I thought, okay, let me look and about see, focus on some fathers in the Word of God. This man they called Father, they obeyed his commands, and how God took that example to show how his own people, Judah, did not obey his commandments, with God being their father. Well, I don't know about you, but... Maybe you haven't had a great relationship with your father. Okay, that, that might be. Maybe you have a great relationship with your father. But the key to it is, what kind of relationship do you have to our Heavenly Father? So, Jonadab first appears in the Bible in 2 Kings 10, 10, where he meets Jehu, where he has an encounter with Jehu in a chariot. This is where his heart is challenged. On your handout there, on the back of it, it says in 2 Kings 10, 15 to 17, And when he, Jehu, had departed thence, he lighted on Jonadab, the son of Rashab, coming to meet him, and he saluted him and said unto him, Is thine heart right, as my heart is with thy heart? And Jonadab answered, It is. If it be, give me thy hand. And he gave him his hand, and he took him up to him into the chariot. I just want to, if you think about that, took him up to him into the chariot, and he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. It sounds like discipleship to me. It sounds like evangelism and then discipleship. So they made him ride in his chariot. 17, And when he came to Samaria, he slew all that remained unto Ahab in Samaria, till he destroyed him according to the sayings of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. You see, Elijah had previously slain 400 of Ahaz's false prophets of Baal. What they did, they went and finished them off. So speaking again of chariots, Elijah back in 2 Kings 2.11 went up in heaven in a chariot of fire and horses of fire by a whirlwind. 2 Kings 2.12 said, Elijah saw it and he cried, my father, my father. So I'm, I'm hammering that word father so you could get the gist of my message in, t in terms of this Father's Day because the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, and he saw him no more. 
Elijah discipled Elisha. They had a father-son relationship. That's why when Elijah was taken up, Elijah called him father. You have that kind of relationship with the people that you are discipling. Maybe you're not a father figure to them. Maybe you are a brotherly or sisterly figure to them. Some, some, some way or some fashion, they need to see you as a child of God. They need to see you that you are living your life according to what the word of God says. In Acts chapter 8, an Ethiopian unit of great authority was sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip to go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran. He didn't walk. He ran and heard him reading and asked if he understood what he was reading. He said, how can I? except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come and sit with him in the chariot. So you know the rest of the story. The Ethiopian unit would get saved and baptized afterwards. Have you ever pondered about having a chariot experience? You know, taking a man or woman and challenging their heart to follow God? That's what they're doing. Jeremiah 35, verses 1 and 2 on your handout back there, the, Lord, the, Lord, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying unto the house of the Rechabites, speak to them and bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers and give them wine to drink. Now think about that scripture a little bit because this is God telling Jeremiah to bring them into the chambers and give them wine to drink. Now, when God told him to do that, God already knew that the descendants of Jonadab would not drink. He already knew they wouldn't drink, but yet still God told him to take them in there and give them the drink. So you've you got to read into that and see what God is doing. He was clearly sending a message so that Jeremiah could see the contrast in Judah disobeying him, their father, their father God and Jonadab's people obeying the commands of an ordinary man. He's an ordinary man, but he was their leader. And it was over 200 years that he told them, don't drink. He told, even told them, don't live in houses. Don't till the land. He told them to live in tents. So you're talking about, they were basically almost like nomads. They were a, a peculiar people. You see, even though the wine was set before them, God was not doing that to tempt them to break their pledge. What it would end up doing is reproving the Israelites. God was trying to show Jeremiah, look, these people had Jonadab, their father, and they're obeying him, and my people won't obey me. He wanted to see that contrast. Let me ask you something. The word of God is being preached every day down here at Midtown. You are hearing it. You have some awesome pastors and leaders. You are. But are you obeying the word when it goes forth? You don't say, yeah, I heard it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I only got in one night at, at, at the ACR last night, Friday night, when I was listening to Troy, and he was, he was talking about obedience. And my, my focus is, it's like he's saying, People love the world. And if, if you love the world, then you're going to forsake the word of God. You're not going to live the way God wants you to, to live. 
It says here on your handout, Jeremiah 35, 5-10, And I sat before the sons of the house of the Reshabites, pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine, for Jonadab the son of Reshab, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. So this father, Jonadab, did not want the heritage to be ruined. Point number three, when you earn a level of respect, those around you will follow your leadership. Verse seven says, neither shall you build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any, but all your days you shall dwell in tents, and you may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rachab, our father, in all that he hath charged us to drink no wine all of our days, we, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in, neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed, but we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and done according to Jonadab, our father, commanded us. And if you were to look back uh, in verses 6, 8, and 10, they consistently called Jonadab our father. So they were showing respect for this earthly man. Judah was not showing respect for our, our God, Father. Here's my next point. The worthiness of being called our father is no subtle title. It's not. Today, our indicates a title that a group of believers who consider themselves as children of God and they want to call God their father. Is that you? Jesus is God's only begotten son. While we have earned the right through salvation to God, our father, we gain that also through, the, through God's work of adoption. God adopted us in so that us in Christ can address God personally as our father, our father. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption on, the, on your handout. Romans 8, 15 to 17, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children be heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. My next point is our relationship with our Heavenly Father is sealed by the Holy Spirit of adoption. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22 on your handout there. Now he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. You know, growing up in the Hill household, all of us kids called my father Daddy. And in Romans 8.15, the words Abba, Father, is an Aramaic word meaning daddy, making it more personal and intimate. Now, I don't know, just because you call your father dad, or papa, or whatever, that doesn't make it not personal. But Romans 8.15, when it talks about Abba, Father, we're talking about a personal thing, which is daddy. Keep on, here's my key thought. The Holy Spirit has given us an intimate relationship with God. This was written by Adrian Rogers. 
The Holy Spirit has given us an intimate relationship with God so that we can personally know him. Adrian Rogers. We need to have that personal relationship with him. Romans 8 tells us that the Spirit itself cries, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit in you prompts us to call God Abba, Daddy. That's who he is. Point six, if you don't have an earthly father in your life right now, call on Abba, your heavenly father. You see, when Jesus directed his disciples and us how to pray in Matthew 6, he said this, he said, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Because Jesus instructed his disciples that the names of God were to be hallowed, sanctified, holy, consecrated. But he said, our Father, in, in Matthew 6. When you think about our Father, remember in Philippians 2 on your handout, 9-11, 9-11, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My point is, our ourness, that's a word I came up with, that's my sidewalk definition, our ourness in Christ is special through the ministry of Jesus Christ. Think about that, ourness. Because Jesus tells his disciples and us how to address God as our father, not just his father. You realize what that's doing? He's letting you in on a relationship with God, the same as he's got. That's why he said in Matthew 6, our father. He didn't say his father, speak to my father. He said our father. We're joint heirs, and so we need to make sure that. So how we address fathers can show the closeness we have with them. And, and Jesus directs them to say, our father. In Genesis 22, Abraham was instructed to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And so that was a son that was special that God gave him, he and Sarah. And at the altar, this teenager, Isaac, asked his father about the sacrifice. In Genesis 22, it says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. So he was clearly addressing each other. See, that's personal when they address each other as my father, my son. My question is, are you personal with our father? Are you personal? And he said, verse 8, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went them together. And God did provide a sacrifice. Because Abraham had so much confidence that God was not going to kill his son that he told the young men that they would be back. He told them before they even went up. Here's the key thought. The closer you draw to our father, the more confidence you have that he will provide for you. He provided a land, he, a, a sacrifice. And he knew that. He had so much confidence that before he took Isaac up on the top of that sacrifice, he told them to just hang around. We'll be back. 
You see, these Rachelites who were descendants of Jephro, the Kenite, that was Moses' father-in-law. They were nomads. And the father of the Rachelites was Jonadab. You and I have a Bible, the KJV, the correct word of God. Yet clearly, so many people follow the leadership of worldly men and women instead of following the written word of God. Yet, these Rachelites, even though their father, not a prophet, was dead over 200 years, were still honoring his legacy. But there's a difference in Judah's sin and the Rachelites' loyalty. In Jeremiah 35, verse 12 to 16, it is here in these verses that God tells Jeremiah that the sons of Jonadab obeyed their father's command, but the, Judah, the men of Judah were not hearkening to his words. God has shown remarkable patience in Israel. So if you truly believe that God is your father, then you should obey his word. We honor him by living out the Great Commission. You know, the latest in church today has found ways to take God's grace for granted. We don't recognize the seriousness of the hour. Our father could come at any time. Speaking of coming at any time, as, as a young kid, my father drove a truck. And because he used to work on homes. And that truck squeaked. And you could hear that truck coming down the street. And if we kids were out of the yard, our neighbors would say, here comes your father, Mr. Hill. You better get back in the yard before he gets here. That's us. Because we had a healthy fear of punishment. And believe me, he was a preacher, but he did not spare the rod or a switch, or a limb, or whatever he could find first. You know, and so as a young kid, number 10, I watched most of them get it, and I figured, like, I'm not going to do what they're doing, because I know how, how that hurt. But I, I did do my share. You know, I burned the chicken barn down, playing with matches. Man, that was not good. And... I was in there throwing matches at the ants, and back in that day, they had mattresses that had a lot of cotton and all that stuff, and it caught on fire, and it was burning. And my neighbor saw it, and she ran over there and pulled me out of there, and she says, boy, you better get up in the house, because when Mr. Hill comes home, he's going to get you. And I thought, okay. And my mom said, yeah, you better go upstairs. So I went upstairs, and I fell asleep. Firemen were out there. I mean, they were putting that, the burn, the barn just burnt down. I think I killed a few chickens in the process. And it's like, I was asleep, thinking that I was not going to get punished. And to me, that's a picture of us Christians, later seen in church age. We're asleep. But all of a sudden, I don't know what time it was, but it was early in the morning. He woke me up. And I'm thinking, oh. And that's when I got it. I, I got a good whipping, you know. And I'm saying it's a picture of us Christians being asleep because we're not living for the Lord. And, and, but when we make a mistake, he's gracious, he's forgiving. You know, God will let you understand that, you know what? My son buried it all on the cross. I need you to live for me. On the back of your handout, and also slide 18, it says, Jeremiah 35, 18 to 19. And Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, 
and kept all his precepts and done according to all that he hath commanded you. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. That's the title of my message, Standing Before God. Because of their faithfulness to Jonadab's earthly command, his descendants received a lasting blessing from God to stand before God. God wants us to honor our earthly fathers and mothers. God is the father of all. When we honor our physical fathers and mothers, no matter how flawed or imperfect they might be, we show them respect and honor for God himself. Maybe you grew up in a home where there was no father present, like Pastor Morgan. Maybe your father was there, but only physically. There was no spiritual direction to help guide you and strengthen you. One of the greatest problems that we have today is a lack of respect for others. Even if you did not have a father as a great role model, respect him and create a new legacy. Pastor Morgan's doing that. He's got two kids, and he's starting that new cycle. And, you know, praise the Lord, God used me in, in a small way to be instrumental in his life. And, uh, of course, the one thing, I'm, I'm almost out of time here, the one thing he didn't learn from me was to stop visiting the house when my wife didn't want him to come. <laughs> he... He wanted to be around me so much. And that was the picture of Elijah and Elisha because everywhere Elijah went, he, Elijah would tell Elisha, hey, tarry here while I go to Jericho. Elisha said, no, I'm going with you. He said, tarry here while I go to Bethel. Oh, no, no, I'm going with you. Well, that was him. <laughs> and he would knock on the door. And nobody would answer. <laughs> and he would go, I know you're in there. I know you're in there. Open the door. But I, would, I appreciate his desire to want to have fellowship because he didn't have that. He didn't have that. And so here's my key thought. You need to be worthy to stand before God, worthy of a role in the church, and worthy of a reputation in the community, and then finally worthy to ride in the chariot. So worthy to stand before God, worthy of a role in the church, worthy of a reputation in the community, and worthy of a ride in the chariot. As the draw close, you see, when you accept the role of a father, mother, mentor, leader, you must be ready to help others to see the zeal of the Lord. Standing before God forever requires sacrifice and conviction. Standing on principles the Rachelites refused to drink. They refused to build houses, to till the land. They lived in, in tents. That's radical. But they did that to honor their father, Jonadab. And finally, Romans 8, 17. On your handout there. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also glorify together. We be glorified together. Are you willing to be radical like the Rachelites who followed their father, Jonadab? Are you willing to support your pastor who's like Jeremiah? He's bringing the word and he was punished for doing that, put in prison. 
And while he was in prison, he's praying. And I'm saying, don't shackle him. Don't shackle your own, your own self. Follow the Lord. Be a blessing to someone. Because are you worthy to stand in the gap? Are you worthy to stand before God? Amen? Because if you are, then you're willing to sacrifice it all because it's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost you something. Amen? So I just thank you so much for allowing me to be here on Father's Day and just to be an example to Pastor Morgan and, and thanking my wife because God used her first, you know, to, to, to start it off. And it, it's just been a truly, truly a blessing. But hopefully this message will resonate with you that you call him our father because that's what Jesus said. He didn't say my father. He said our father. He's inviting us to know that we are a part of him being our father also. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our time this morning. I pray, Lord, that this message had some value to it, Lord. I pray that your word will go forward. Lord, uh, use uh, this church, use Pastor Morgan, his wife and kids, all the men and women, the leaders in this, in this class, Lord, help them to build uh, as they go forward, Lord. We pray for it all in Jesus' name. Amen.